Well, good morning. As we go uh, before the Lord in His Word, we're going to be looking at um, just that practice that we were practicing right there, and that is biblical meditation. And uh, we're going to be learning about that this morning, and we're going to be practicing that in our lives in an attempt that you would, away from here, get into God's Word and meditate upon it and obey it in your lives. Uh, this, this series has been focused on the inner disciplines, the inner spiritual disciplines of our lives as, a, as an attempt to allow God to transform the most important part of us, our souls, that part that lives forever in us. And uh, what we've, we've gone through prayer and we've talked about how prayer is that, is that continuing conversation uh, with God. We want to have a relationship where we're constantly communicating with God through prayer. We talked about fasting, where, where you step away from the things that control you or that you're obsessed with in order to focus on God. And then last week we talked about opening up the Word and studying it, because a closed Bible is a closed mind to God, and a closed Bible is a closed life to God. And so we're going to continue in that discipline of opening up God's Word this morning, and I wanted you to open up to Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 where it talks about the value of biblical meditation. And it starts out and it says this, Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. This is a, a passage that kind of gives a, a picture of what meditation is all about. That we're not to let it depart from our mouths. As easy as it is, is just to read the Word of God or for even for me to read it out loud. Here we're told, don't let it depart. Let it, let it kind of percolate in your life. Let it kind of cook in your life and saturate your life. And me- do that through meditating on it day and night. Not just so that it, you spend more time in the Word, but so that you would be careful to do everything written in it. So biblical meditation is the practice of listening to God and obeying his word. It's that simple. It doesn't get any more complicated than that. And that's based on the assumption that God is still speaking through his word. That God wants to talk to you through his word. And that you can listen and hear his voice when you open up the scriptures and meditate On his word. Because the reality of the word of God is this. God's revelation demands a response. It's not that God just just, uh, reveals his word saying, this is what I want you to just know about me. But he also calls us in, this is who I want you to be with me. This is what I want you to do with me in your life. Revelation, folks, demands a response. And when we do that, the focus of biblical meditation is so that we would hear God speaking to him and follow him as he speaks to us. Now we have a problem though. We have a problem and that's the problem of incessant distractions. There are distractions going around us all the time. Even as I speak, there's distractions. There may be a cell phone that goes off or there may be a crying baby or there may be something, even in somewhat of a quiet environment, there may be people coming in here and getting here late and sitting down at this time. I don't know. I'm just kidding you guys. Welcome. But there's distractions. There's distractions all around us. No one's going to be late again, right? 
There's cell phones that are a distraction. There's smartphones. You know, my smartphone is linked with my calendar. It's linked with my email. It's linked with my Facebook and my Twitter updates. I mean, I have distractions all around me. And I know that if I'm going to meditate on God's word, that has to be off to the side. It's not going to be there. Because the reality is, is we're practicing life right now where we're there, but we're really not. Where we're present in the room, but we aren't present in our attention. Some of you have kids who text and have thousands of texts each month. And you know what it's like when you're sitting around the table and they're texting. And they're there, but they're not really there. And some of you kids are very upset for me for letting your parents know about this. But I think we've got to really practice attention. We've got to practice giving, giving people the dignity around us of paying attention and listening. Because we really don't like to listen. We don't like to listen. And so we've got loads of distractions, whether it's cell phones or televisions or internet, whatever it is, we like to have it now. We don't like to wait. Waiting is for losers and we're lousy listeners. And when it comes to God's word, just need to say it. We're lousy listeners. Even some of us who study God's word just blast through the word and we get it and we, we outline it. And I, you know, I even have the temptation, oh, this will preach and I could do this outline and everything. But then all of a sudden I get to the end and go, have I meditated on it? Have I slowed down to listen to God? Boy, that's what God wants for us because he's still speaking through his word. And when we meditate, we allow, we open our ears. It's like what Proverbs 8, if you had just flip over to Proverbs 8, beginning with verse 33. Proverbs 8 says, it says, listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. And we live in a world filled with so many distractions that we're just ignoring the word of God. And ignoring the word of God builds ignorance in the word of God. Ignoring the word of God builds ignorance in the way of God. Because we don't train our minds and our ears to listen to God. So God has a solution. God wants to call us into a relationship where we're continuing obedience to his word. Where it's constantly, it's working in our lives and we're following him based on meditating on his word and listening to him and following him. Listen as you continue reading in in Proverbs 8, beginning with verse 34, right after 33, it says, Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. Here, Proverbs 8 is a big, uh, big picture of wisdom crying out, Will anyone understand? Will anyone follow? Will anyone take this to heart? And Solomon, the wisest man who's ever lived, wrote this as a spiritual legacy, as a godly legacy to his sons and all the sons of Israel, and now to us, that we would listen to the word of God and that we would follow the word of God. We would look for it. We would wait for it. We would be patient. And then when we find it, we will find our great delight. In the word of God. Do you see what it looks at how it defines listening in this passage? That it's who listens to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway, almost like a little child waiting for dad or mom to come home. And already at that door, when dad walks in, that kid just goes, dad or mom. It's that's how we're to be with God's word. We're ready for it. We're waiting for it. And when we receive it, 
we live it. That's the picture. That's the vision the Word of God creates for, for a relationship with God through His Word. And so what we want to do right now is we want to define what exactly is biblical meditation. And you're already in Proverbs, so I'm going to make it easy. I want you to flip over to the right to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, beginning with verse 17. This gives us a good outline for what biblical meditation is so that we can understand it before we practice it. Let me read Proverbs 22, verses 17 through 19. It says this. Pay attention... And listen to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach. For it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips so that your trust may be in the Lord. I teach you today, even you. I love this passage because it gives a a picture from Solomon's teaching that that we're to, to take time to meditate on God's word. To really understand, not just know it, to understand and then to trust God in obedience. The first thing that biblical meditation in this passage is, is it's slowing down to listen up. Here it is. Anytime someone says, hey, pay attention. Hey, everyone, look up here. Everything kind of slows down, right? And it gets your attention focused. And that's what Proverbs 22, 17 says. Hey, pay attention and listen to the sayings of the wise. Slow things down. Focus attention. And that's what we're called to do. Now, as the word of God calls us to pay attention and listen to it, there's a problem. We are hurried people. And hurry is the enemy of the Christian life. Because hurry ruins relationships. You want your relationship with your wife to deteriorate? Hurry in life. You want your relationship with your husband to deteriorate or your children to deteriorate? Just hurry through life. Get involved in other things that make, you know, the squeaky wheels getting the oil, but it's not that relationship. Hurry ruins the relationship. And it's no different with God. If you hurry in your life and you do not slow down to be with him, your relationship with him will suffer. Meditation slows down to listen up. Secondly, the second part of verse 17, it says, apply your heart to what I teach. Apply your heart. Biblical meditation is concentrating on less to understand more. When you meditate on something, you don't take a whole chapter necessarily. You take a verse and you really set the roots down deep. It needs to be that verse that you that, that you hear God speaking to you that addresses an area in your life that is speaking to you and encouraging you. And when you do that, you apply your heart. You gather it in your mind and then you accept it in your heart. This is kind of what belief is all about. Where you don't just understand the gospel, you believe and you apply your heart to it. You believe and say, that's true. And it's not just true for everyone else or for what, it's true for me. And when you apply your heart to what God's word teaches, you concentrate to understand it and believe it more. So you slow down to listen up and you you concentrate on less to understand more. Um, Thirdly, let's keep reading in verse 18. It says, for it's pleasing when you keep them in your heart, And have all of them ready on your lips. What is this talking about? This is talking about biblical memorization. 
It's memorizing the word of God. And why do you memorize it? To remember it in time of need. This may seem strange to us, but it wasn't strange to the Bible. Matter of fact, most of the Bible was written to illiterate people on the original manuscripts. Most of the Bible was not written down. It was carried forth by an, by an oral tradition by the church, by most of the people who understood the scriptures. Now, it was written down and kept by the scribes and the teachers, and it was preserved throughout, the, throughout history. But most of it, when it was read, it was remembered and it was memorized. I had some friends who went in the early 80s to Romania under communist occupation there. And the Bible was outlawed. And Christians were being persecuted and thrown in jail for having a Bible or promoting Christianity or, or sharing Christ with others. And one of the things that as that church, as that iron curtain came down, as that church kind of stood up after that, you know what we found? We found people of the word who memorized the word of God. The government took the Bible away, but they kept the Bible in here and out through here. The Bible continued to be talked about, continued to be preached without Bibles. It's amazing when you memorize the word of God, how it is protected in your life and, and is motivating, motivates your life uh, to, with the word of God. It's what uh, Psalm 119, uh, 11 says. It says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Jesus memorized scripture. He knew the scriptures. And when Satan tempted him, what did he say? He said, for it is written. He used the scriptures as his great defense against temptation. And so do we. When we memorize the word of God, we keep it quick on our short term, so that we're ready. We're ready to respond and obey the Lord when we're tempted or when we're challenged or when we're struggling with something to find comfort and to see the presence of God in our lives. Biblical memorization is key in the Christian life. Do not neglect this. And I know we get pushback on this. You go, oh, come on. It takes me back to high school and I had to memorize the element table or something like that. Or I had to memorize different, you know, um, foreign language, you know, delineations and how, how people did that. Or memorize stuff for a law exam or something. And folks, this is, it is not that. It's not just to memorize so that you're ready for a test or something like that. It's to memorize, to know and understand and obey God. And you know what? Anyone can do it. Anyone can memorize. True, some of you will struggle more because you haven't trained your mind to. But someone who's important to you, you remember what they say to you. I remember it. I remember when Cheryl Smith was next, uh, right sitting next to me in a car. And I remember exactly where we were. I remember it wasn't Barry Manilow, but it was someone singing a song. And I remember the environment. And I looked over her and I said, Cheryl, I love you. And then I was going, please tell me you love me back, you know. (laughs) And she said, I love you too. And I remember everything about that evening. It was a Tuesday night and we were on our way to have dinner with some couples I remember those. What's important to you, you remember. And if the word of God is important to you, you'll remember it. You'll memorize it so that it's there. I grew up in a church environment where we would learn about a hundred verses a year. A hundred verses a year. You go, whoa, I'm not that spiritual. I don't know that we were that spiritual, but I'll tell you this. 
I memorized them in the King James Bible, which was, has a lot of these and thous. And I'm not sure I understood many of the, wor- the, the verses. But you know what? As an adult, I'm thankful for a church that challenged me to hide God's word in my heart. We can all go, oh, that's legalistic, or oh, that's, that's uncool. Our kids wouldn't do that. Our kids memorize everything. They memorize maps from Xbox 360 deals. They memorize everything. They can do this, folks. It's not hard. What's important to you, you will memorize. Because we need it. We need it in our short-term memory. One of the things I do with my son Jack as I drive him to school is we just, we just memorize one verse a week. So it's kind of low key, but we just memorize it. And now on our fifth week of school, we're going back and forth and he's telling me a verse and I'm telling him a verse. And when we're done, we'll rotate the verses. And it's interesting. Five weeks into it, he's already had a situation at school that we've had to look at each other. and say, Remember this, Jack? Remember that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it in you until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1, 6. Jack, man... God is at work here. And when we have conversations, we bring up some of those verses so that the word of God would not just be known, it would be trusted in our lives, would, would, would be reflecting the word of God. So that's what biblical meditation is, memorizing to remember in a time of need. Then look at that last verse of Proverbs 22. It says, so that your trust may be in the Lord. I teach you today, even you, and I love this. It's almost like a humorous kind of thing, but it's like a guy's teaching. He says, I teach you today, even you. You know, it's like he points at someone, but he's saying, apply this today, obey today. And that's what biblical memorization or meditation is. It's trusting God to obey today. We don't meditate to go, oh, and that's really a nice experience. Now I'll just go on living my life however I wanted to. No, how do I want my life to live in the light of God's word. And how does it look like today? From, from way better than, oh, that's nice to know. And we move it into, I'm going to obey now. And, and that's the picture. That's the picture that, that we may trust the Lord today with the time we spend meditating. So do not ignore it. Do, don't delay it. Now, uh, before, before the book of Proverbs, the book of Psalms, I want you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm 1, 1. And it gives another picture of the benefits or the reward of biblical meditation that, that God has to give us if we will take the time to meet and listen and obey Him. Listen to this. In Psalm 1, 1 through 3, it says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, here it is, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. There are three things that are just rewards in this passage. Number one is direction. There's direction. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. This is the path of destruction that Solomon is warning his son against. And he says, how blessed is the man. It's the person who does not uh, walk in the counsel of the wicked 
or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. You see the direction that someone's going on? They're taking a direction that's walking, that's standing, and that's sitting. And it's sitting. How'd you like that move? That was really cheesy. I'm sorry about that. But it, it was a, it's, it's the picture of your direction. Where is that direction headed? The headed, is, is it down the poor council? Is it down destructive decisions? Is it down towards evil? Is it down towards deception? Because as you live your life, you follow a path and you're headed in a direction. And here the word of God is saying how blessed is the person who does not take the road of destruction. You know what I'm talking about. You know it in your lives and the decisions you make. You know some of the attitudes that you hold in your mind, the resistance that you have in your heart towards the things of God. And here it's saying how blessed is the person who gets their direction from God. So what's the key? What's the key from the, what's protection, which is that second reward? What is protection in a direction? And that is the law of the Lord. Look at this in verse two. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. When you meditate, you're building up protection against evil in your life because you're listening and obeying God. And third, it's prosperity. God, God prospers you when you listen and obey him. It says he's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in, in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. It's not necessarily talking about physical prosperity or even health prosperity. It's talking about spiritual prosperity in your life. That that tree planted by streams of water, that your life, your spiritual life will be producing spiritual fruit, health and life in your life as well as to others. So if this is what it is, if this is what biblical meditation is and what it rewards us, while God rewards us when we do it, why don't we do it more often? Why don't we take the time to meet and listen to God and obey with what God might be saying? You see, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit in us. And if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you and he speaks through God's word into your life. Not just to know it, not just to understand it, but also to apply it. And, and if you have God speaking to you, why would you ever keep him away? Why would you ever let these distractions that are incessant in your lives keep you away from listening and obeying God? The answer is because we've got pushback. Because we've got pushback. We have our own ideas of what meditation would be. And we don't want to be a freak. One of the pushbacks I've heard is, well, doesn't meditation sound like new age? Isn't it new age of people, you know, getting into mantras or, or uh, you know, saying something over and over or meditating the, over or, or uh, memorizing something over and over and over? Well, the reality is, is every religion has some form of meditation. If you look and search over the, the different religions of the world, each one, each one has its own focus. And some of it's to purify their lives from sin or from evil or from hurry. Some of it's to connect with their God, whoever that might be. But you know what? We can't use what others have used in the wrong way, according to Scripture. 
We've got to look at what God provides for us and follow him. There's, almost every other religion has their own angle of prayer, don't they? But we don't eradicate prayer because another religion uses it. No, we look at the word of God. We see what he calls us to and we follow it. And so when God calls us to meditation, I mean, buck up, get over, get over your, your deal with that and say it's, it's saying it's new age or like the other religions. Look at the new path and the new way that God has given to us and use it. Another pushback on meditation is this. I don't live in a cave. And the, the philosophy behind this pushback is, look, I'm not a monk. I'm not a hermit. Uh, I'm not a recluse. And, and meditation is all for those people who go up on mountains and do all that kind of thing and, and worship God through that way. I'm just not like that. And the answer is, no, you're not. And you don't live in a cave. You live in the exact opposite of a cave. You live in an ADD world that's not listening to God. And so the reality is, is most of us need to find a cave to listen to God. Most of us need to make good decisions and radical decisions that clear away the distractions in order for us to listen again to God. And that's going to take you maybe getting up in the morning before anyone else is up and getting into the word without distractions. That may mean you taking a, your lunch hour looks differently if you're a working mother and uh, you don't think there's any other way apart from a lunch deal that you could do that. Take that time and meditate on God's word. You, we all need to find it. We all have the same time. We do. God doesn't give us more time in the day. No matter how much you make, no matter what position you have, we all have 24 hours. If you have all the money in the world, you cannot buy another hour. If you have nothing to do with your life, you cannot sell one hour of your life. No, we have all the same. So we've got to make good decisions as a steward of God's resource. And one of the most valuable resources to us in the church, as well as in this world, is the resource of time. We have to be good stewards of time. And God calls us into meditation. We can do this. We need to take the time and choose the place so that we can discipline our distractions in order to hear God. So, how do we do this? How do I start meditating when I've never done it before, you may ask? Well, what we're going to do in closing our service here is, is we're going to take a look at two passages that might help us in this endeavor. And here's what I encourage you to, to, to really think about right now. Number one... What are you dealing with in your life? What's the overarching concern or worry or distraction or frustration? We all have it. And in a room this size with this many people, it covers the gamut of areas that you're worried about. Some of you are worried about a relationship and you're wondering, will that relationship go on? Some of you are worried about uh, or fearful of what might happen if, you know, something happened to your child or what's going to happen next week with your health. Some of you are worried about your job. Some of you have financial pressures. Some of you are struggling emotionally. And, and you know what? You need to pick a passage that speaks to your struggle right now. If you're struggling with gossip, if you're struggling with porn, whatever the deal is, you're struggling with anger, you need to find a passage in the scripture. God still speaks through the scriptures to your life. You need to find that verse that speaks most clearly about that issue. One of the areas that I had been dealing with is worry. 
worry and, and anxiety and I'm in fearfulness with different things and all the things that could happen or that aren't happening or, or should be happening in my life. And uh, I came across, I went and I searched the scriptures and I saw that Joshua 1.9 really addressed this. So let's look at Joshua 1.9 and let's practice what I've just preached. You see, in Joshua 1, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating passage because uh, Joshua was taking over the reins of leadership over the children of Israel. And God had promised them through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and Moses that he was going to lead them out of slavery and into a promised land. And, And Moses did a wonderful job doing that, but he wasn't the leader who was going to be taking them in to the promised land. Joshua was. So after he followed this incredible leadership giant named Moses, God came to Joshua and said, I'm going to give you this land. I'm promising that you will get this land. The problem was, the problem was, is the land was inhabited by very, very strong and intimidating people who um, had a lot better weapon technology than the children of Israel. And God was going to give them the land. So you picture about another person at another stage in time who was worried and who was anxious and who feared and was terrified. And you have Joshua. You see, the Bible characters aren't that far away from us. And the same God that loved and cared for and protected and advanced his kingdom through Joshua is going to do the same for us. So we come on Joshua 1, 9. It says this, Have I not commanded you Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now this passage is fascinating because God says, Have I not said it before to you? In other words, I can repeat it. But be strong and courageous. It's mentioned four times in Joshua 1 alone. God will continue to repeat that in our lives. Be strong, Joe. And courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's based on the reality that God's presence is with you wherever you go. Earlier in Joshua 1, it says that every step you take, every footprint that you make, I have prepared a way for you. Do you ever think that God does that for you when you trust Him? Every time you trust Him, he is every footstep you take into that environment, every conversation you have in that environment, as you trust him, he will be with you wherever you go. We need to know that God is with us. So I just read this and I, I started just kind of dissecting it and kind of just confessing, Lord, this is what I'm worried about. And I just confessed to him, I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that. And I just wrote them down or I said them out to him as I meditated on this verse. And then I, I, was, I, I, I just confessed to him. I said, Lord, I have not. The reason I have not been, been trusting you is I've, I've not really thought you were with me. I think that I'm alone and I've been acting that I've, I've been alone on this. And I just need to confess that to you. And I confess the sin of independence from God. And this verse continued to be meditated on. And then uh, as I continued to pray through this, Lord, thank you that you are my strength. You are my courage. And I can be courageous in life and I can be strong in life because you are with me wherever I go. And, And I just kind of professed my faith in this God who's with me 
wherever I go. And then I said, Lord, this is what it will look like today. I will trust you with this relationship and I will follow you. I will practice your presence with me when I have conversations in areas that I'm fearful of. And when I'm worried or anxious, I will trust that you are there and I will live with you in, the, in, in my presence. And I, I looked at that and, and God, God starts reminding me it's far more than a memorized passage. It's the word of God speaking and empowering my life. Another area that uh, I had been dealing with is, um, is my talk, my words that have come out of my mouth. I don't know if any of you share that, but I have the gift of speaking. And I love to speak. I love to talk about the Word of God and teach it and call people to it and exhort people to um, just see the picture of who God is and run to Him and love Him and trust their lives with Him. I love doing that. But with that gift, that same gift, can be the temptation to use my mouth to tear people down and to gossip about people or to vent I was realizing there have been times in my life this really was eating my lunch. And, and so I realized, boy, I need to be set free from this. I need to trust God more with what comes out of my mouth. And I came across a passage in Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. You see, Paul is talking about in Ephesians 4, he's talking about us as Christians that we're children of light. We're no longer in darkness. And since we're children of light, we're to reflect the light of Christ wherever we go and whatever we say. It affects, your faith affects your words. And he encourages the believers in Ephesus to not let any unwholesome talk come out of their mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, this is a really key verse in verse 29 of Ephesians 4. Because what we're really called to is not to tear down. We're called to build up. And it's better left unsaid than to be vented and to tear someone down. And it gave me a grid for how I'm to speak. I'm to speak so that I build others up, not tear them down. And so that I build, that I speak according to their needs, that it would actually might benefit those who listen. Now, guys, you want to totally transform your marriage? Meditate on this verse and apply it in your life. You wake up in the morning and when you think, what is helpful for building my wife up according to her needs based on what I say? And you will rock her world. Trust me on this one. Wives, you want to totally ignite your husband? You want to move him out of passivity and into responsibility in the home? Think about this. What's helpful for him to hear from your mouth this week? What's helpful to building him up according to his needs? And he needs to know you love and respect him. You want to change things in your family. Students, you want to change things in your family. Think about your words. That come from attitudes in your heart. Not letting any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is building others up according to their needs. That it might benefit those who listen. That last part, as I meditated on it, I was really convicted on gossip. Because gossip doesn't benefit those who listen. It's just venting. 
So whether you're college or in high school or middle school, you go, you go this weekend, you hear about the parties, you hear about what so-and-so did with so-and-so, and you talk about that, and it's not benefiting those who listen. It's not. And we need to just be convicted on that and stop. As parents, some of those bad kids, our kids may be hanging around, and our gossip about them with not wanting to build them up, and we can get into that. We can get into that pattern. The person at work, is it really benefiting? If it's not, it's gossip. And we need to step back from that. So as I prayed through this, I just started going, boy, as I think over the past day, what has been some of the unwholesome talk that's come out of my mouth? And I've just confessed that. And in humility before the Lord, I just said, Lord, that's not wholesome. It's not. It's pollution. And I just need to tell you, I I didn't use my mouth to glorify you, and I didn't build others up through that. I just confess that to you. And then I thank Jesus for giving me a better way to speak. And then I I just started confessing to him, this is what it could look like in my life. This is what I'm going to do when I wake up and encourage my wife. Or it was in the morning, this is how I'm going to greet my wife this morning. I want to build her up and encourage her. I want to build up my kids. My first thought with my kids is usually, did you have a good day at school? Do you have any homework? And instead, how can I build them up when I see them? You see, what would happen if 1,600 of us took God's pattern for our speech to heart and applied it? We would rock this city. We really would. Things wouldn't be the same anymore. If what came out of our mouths built others up was helpful according to their needs that it would benefit those who listen. But what our families look like? You see, you want to understand transformation. You have to get into God's word and meditate on it so you can actually hear God saying, no, this isn't just truth. This is truth for you, Joe. This is truth for you, Mike. This is true for you, Tanner. This is true for you, Jody. Whatever your name is, you put your name in there. You've got to take it and understand it and apply it. And meditation is that gateway to helping us hear from God so that we might obey him in our lives. I don't know what God is speaking to you in his word uh, from today. I don't know how the Holy Spirit is going to use this message. But we're going to spend some time where we just reflect on what we've heard. And if one of these verses has spoken to you that I've kind of lifted up, or you know of another verse that has spoken to you, I want you to take some time just to meditate on that and to listen to what God might be saying to you about this week and the application of that verse. We'll continue in our worship, but let me just pray as we continue. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I want to just thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be your child. And I want to be thank you. I want to just thank you that you are with us wherever we go. For those who are struggling with anxiety or fear or worry, that helps. That just kind of motivates us to control things or manipulate things. We just confess that to you. And we ask that you would guide us. You would be our direction and protection and prosperity in life. I pray for each, uh, each of us to make difficult decisions, but good decisions that move us out of the mold of distractions and into an environment where we can hear you speak to us. Oh, God, we have a need. We have a need for more of you. 
We have a need for quieting things down so that we can really concentrate on what you're saying to us. And Heavenly Father, as we provide that, as we make a a, a room for you in our souls, speak to us, empower us, and move us to be people of your word who live in your power. For it's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.